Uh, we've been studying from Ephesians 6 since July, and today we conclude for now our investigation of the armor of God. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, begin with verse 10, New American Standard Bible. We've read this many times, so we're not going to put it up on the screen, but you have your Bible, you have your iPad, your phone, whatever there, you can follow along. Paul says, finally, because he's at the end of the book of Ephesians, he's at the end of the book, so he says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, that is, it's not against humans, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. We have talked about in verse 14, the belt of truth, which speaks of the warrior's integrity. We have talked about also in verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness, which speaks of the power of godliness and purity and holiness in the life of a soldier of God. Uh, Pastor Jim Wall uh, spoke in, uh, from verse 15 and talked about the shoes of uh, the gospel of peace, we speak of our confidence that we are on God's side, God is on our side because we've embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, the shield of faith speaks of a deep, deep confidence and awareness of who we are in Christ. Verse 17, we talked about the helmet of salvation, which talks about heaven, our hope of heaven. And because we have a hope of heaven when we're in a struggle now on the earth, that hope of heaven motivates us. It keeps our morale up. We talk about, when we're talking about military, the word morale is often mentioned. And our morale is kept up as Christians in this world because we know where we're going, don't we? We know where we're going to end up. And so we talked about that. And then last week we talked about the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit, that part of the armor, is the Bible, the Word of God. So today we're going to talk about prayer. So let's dig into it. I think I'm going to say some things uh, kind of fresh to you today about prayer. Some things maybe you already know but you haven't thought about in a while. So let's get into it. This is the final spiritual weapon Paul mentions in the armor of the Christian soldier. Verse 18. And this, verse, uh, this will come up on the screen for you. With all prayer. Now I thought that was an interesting phrase. I wasn't sure what that meant when I first read that. But you know, it doesn't take much study for the Word of God when you read it on the surface to be a little confusing. It just takes a little bit of effort for it to come alive for you. And this came alive, and we'll talk about it. With all prayer and petition, and that word petition means prayer or supplication. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance. Notice how, much, how often he uses the word all. And petition for all the saints, verse 19. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. And what Paul is saying there is just ask God to give me the right words. Ask God to give me his words. To make known with boldness. Notice he mentions the word boldness, speaking with boldness, the word of God. The mystery of the gospel, verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in chains, 
that in proclaiming it, I may speak, and there the word is again, boldly as I ought to speak. Prayer is the oxygen of the Christian life. Prayer is the air of the Christian life. Prayer is the air that you breathe that gives your walk with God life. For too many Christians, prayer is viewed as an option And not only is it viewed as an option, it's viewed as a duty when we do it. It is neither optional nor a duty. Prayer is a glorious privilege. That we have an opportunity, that we have a 24-7 open door, that we can speak directly to God. You don't have to call me. You can call me and I'll pray for you. You can text me and I'll pray for you. You can send me a message uh, by email. I'll pray for you. You can write your prayer request on your card, as many of you do every Sunday. We will pray for you. We do pray for you. But I want to tell you that you can talk directly to God. You have direct access to God through the person of Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of you were brought up in a um, religious system that said you had to go to somebody and tell them, and then they would tell God That is not what we believe here at the bridge. You have access to God. You have direct access to God. Please don't forget that. It is a glorious privilege. So Paul's at the end of this thing on the armor of God. So here's basically what he's saying. He's saying on on top of everything, on top of the belt, on top of the helmet, on top of the sword of the Spirit, on top of that breastplate and those shoes and that shield of faith, on top of all that, Beyond all that, with all that armor, pray it in. Pray. Pray that armor in. Pray it on you. We talked about several times in the sermon series where he said, he said, put on Jesus. Put Jesus on. Wear him. Take off the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise. He's talking here about putting on something. He says on top of all that armor, put on prayer. Put prayer on top of that. So we're going to talk about prayer today. All of us need to have an overwhelming sense of the presence of God as we live our lives moment by moment, day by day. There is never a time you are not in his presence. There's never a time you cannot speak to him. There's never a time you cannot address him. There's never a time you cannot express yourself to him he is always with you he is always there he is always listening and that brings us to the first point I want to tell you four things about prayer today number one I want to talk with you about the constancy of our prayers he says in the scripture he says pray at all times Pray at all times. That sounds a little weird when we think of it in the natural sense. We say, I can't pray all the time. Here, let me tell you what he's talking about there. He's talking about praying constantly, having an awareness that God is with you and that out of any, listen to this, out of any situation of life, prayer can rise. Out of, at any moment, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, prayer can rise up out of you at any second. 
It can rise up out of you in any situation, no matter what you're facing, no matter what unexpected thing you're going through. As a matter of fact, you ought to have such an awareness of the presence of God in your life 24-7 that prayer immediately arises no matter what situation you're in. And I'm not talking about long prayers. I'm talking about a breath prayer, a phrase, a, a praise, a request. Prayer can be rising out of you all the time. This is what Paul is talking about. Let's look at some scriptures in the Bible, and uh, we're going to test your eyesight today. Of course, you ought to be able to see it on that screen. Look what Jesus says. Luke 21, 36, watch and pray, come on, always. Acts 6 and 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. How? continually, and this is the apostles here in that early church. Acts 10, 42 is Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. How many of you are glad, and I know I ask this question a lot, but how many of you are glad God reached out to the Gentiles and made it available? Amen. So he was a Gentile. Acts 10 and 2, Cornelius prayed to God how? Come on. Romans 12 and 12 and Colossians 4 and 2, Paul says, continue, continue diligently in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, that most famous verse in the Bible. Everybody say those three words with me. Pray without ceasing. Look what he says in 1 Timothy 1 and 3, because Paul is our example. He's talking to this young preacher, Timothy. He says, I want you to know something, young preacher boy. I constantly remember you in my prayers when? Night and day, night and day. So this, these are examples of Scripture where we are encouraged to pray constantly. The idea is constancy in our prayers. So let me challenge you today. These instructions from God's Word are clear, and they stretch us. Come on, let's be stretched today beyond some recited prayer beyond some memorized prayer, beyond some repetitive prayer. I want to just really challenge you. When you pray repetitive prayers, when you say the same thing over and over again, I don't mean that you're, I'm not saying don't pray for the same things over and over. We're constantly praying for people we love to come to Christ. We're constantly praying for people to be provided for. We're constantly praying. Uh, again, the primary prayer we pray is that people will be saved. They will come to the Lord. I'm not saying you don't pray the same request over, but listen to me. If your prayers are always worded the same, they're always worded the same, and every time you're called on to pray publicly, you pray just about the same prayer every time. Come on, man. Come on. That reveals that there's not much private prayer going on. Because your prayers are going to be different. They're going to be varied. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So God is stretching us beyond our little recited prayers. And let me say that if you pray over your meal at your home, let me challenge you. Don't say that prayer. You know what I'm saying. What do we say every time? Somebody pray. Pray over the meal. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for his Come on. That's a time for dad to really pray a prayer that when he gets through, the kids go, wow, that was long. No, they go, they go, wow, that was what? Powerful. 
I mean, that is a moment, dads, for you to be that spiritual leader in your house and let your children hear that fresh prayer. And I'm not saying dads have to pray every time moms pray. Call on the kids. Teach your kids. You know, mealtime is a great time to teach on prayer. And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. Matter of fact, if it's mealtime, it doesn't need to be a long prayer. We had a staff prayer the other day, and it had been a real busy day, and we all gathered in our we gather once a week uh, for, for prayer, extended prayer. And I told them, I said, guys, all the staff people are in here today. That's about 18 people. I said, we're going to go around the table. Everybody's going to pray. But if you're behind on your prayer life, today's not the day to catch up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I want to say that sometimes before we eat. I want you to pray over the meal. But if you're behind in your prayer life, this is not the time to catch up. You can catch up later. You know, we're sad grandma's got a broken ankle, but let's hold that for later. Let's bless this and get on it. <laughs> Who's with me on that? Amen. <laughs> but Paul's stretching us here. Paul's talking about a life pattern of being intentional about our prayers. Paul's talking about a constant consciousness of God's presence that leaves our heart open fully to him every moment of every day. We are to be so consistently conscious of God's presence that we see and experience our entire life in reference to him. There is no part of your life that doesn't come under the umbrella of God. Your vacation is under that umbrella. Every part of your life is under, see, you're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. You have given your life to him. So there is no part of your life that is out here. Every part of your life now comes under the umbrella of God. And you offer all of that to him. You bring all of that to him in prayer. You have that conscious awareness of his presence. Let me give you some illustrations. If you see something good, how do you respond to that? How would you respond if you see something good in the course of a day? Well, you automatically give God the credit. When something good happens, give him the credit. Give him the glory. Offer him thanks and praise and adoration. Whether it was something good that happened to you or you just saw something at a distance that was a, a good thing, a good act, a good um, reaction or, or somebody being kind to another person. You weren't even involved in it. You see something good, you go, thank you, God. I don't know about you guys, but we're living in a society where we see less and less good stuff. So, boy, when we see something good, we need to go, thank you, God, for that. Thank you for that good thing. And then when we see something evil, what do we do? Well, we ask God to make it right. We ask God to make it right. And if we did the evil, we confess our sin. We confess it and we say, God, that was not right. That was not something I should have said. It wasn't something I should have done. How many of you know the best way to take care of a disobedience to God, a sin that you would commit, and we all do, Christians fail, Christians sin, Christians mess up all the time. The Bible's full of Christians messing up. So well, how do we deal with it? Well, we know from David's example, not only David's, but a lot of other examples in the Bible, that you deal with it quick. You deal with it quick. When you say something, when you do something, when you act in a way that is not good, it is wrong, it is evil, it is sinful, you confess it, you own it, you deal with it. And then when you see somebody 
who commits a sin or somebody you know who doesn't even know Jesus Christ and you see evil, you pray for them right then and you grieve. We grieve. We rejoice over good and we grieve when we see bad. We grieve that God is dishonored. We grieve that his name is reproached like Nehemiah, when he looked out over the walls of Jerusalem and they had been torn down by the Babylonians, the Bible says that he wept, he grieved over that. And then he talked about how it brought a reproach on the name of God. And then you ask God to vindicate himself. God, show yourself in this. Reveal yourself in this. Bring righteousness to this situation. Bring your purity. Bring your holiness. Bring your goodness to this evil. God, replace this evil with good. What about suffering? What about distress? What do we, what do, we do then? How do we react to that? You pray that somehow God will be honored. You say, God honored in suffering? Oh, yes. Matter of fact, i got to tell you something. When you're suffering... That's when the unbelievers are looking. That's when they're watching. That's when you're under the microscope. And when out of your distress and out of your suffering, you honor God and you love God and you stay sweet and you stay joyful and you stay connected to God and you live that joyful life even when you're suffering, i got to tell you, there's nothing more powerful that will turn the heart of an unbeliever than when a believer who is suffering says, I love God anyway. I love God anyway. Man, it's like, um, it's like old Job. Job said about God, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job said, though he lets me go through the fire, I will come out on the other side like pure gold. He glorified God in his suffering. And when we glorify God in our distress, there is no more powerful testimony Spiritual maturity is revealed when we've made God the filter through which every experience of our life passes. Whether that experience is good, whether it's bad, whether it's major, whether it's minor, it doesn't matter. When you are spiritually mature, there is nothing in your life that happens that you don't pass that through the filter of your relationship with God and react to it in that way. I love this scripture. I love what David said in Psalm 18 and 8. He said, I have set the Lord, come on, I have set the Lord before me. Always. He said, God's always before me. I've, I've just set God before me. No matter what I'm doing, no matter what routine, boring, day-to-day thing I'm doing, I'm one of God's children. I've set him before me, and I'm going to run everything in my life through the filter of God. That He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my Master. I'm going to run it through that filter. Let me challenge you to do that. Hey, hey, hey. Let me challenge me to do that. Let me challenge me to do that. You know something I've done recently that I'm so proud of myself? I cannot tell you the last time I ran somebody off the road coming to church. <laughs> somebody just said, praise the Lord. <laughs> see, see, now that's a person who runs everything through the filter. Hallelujah. That's something good. Thank you, Jesus. There should be, some of y'all have run me off the road. I just wanted to mention that. There should be no waking moment of our life as a believer that cannot have prayer just rise out of that situation. 
Now listen, prayer is not only a designated time, and, and you know, I talk to you guys about that. You know, have a time that you pray, have a time that you get with God, all that's good. But prayer is not just a designated time we wait for, although that's a part of it. And prayer is not just making a list of requests, but I really believe in that. And I keep a, a written list of requests on my computer that I can go to and be reminded of things I'm praying about and praying for. All those things are very important. But what I'm saying to you today is I'm just challenging you. I'm challenging me. I'm challenging all of us to make prayer a lifestyle. That out of any situation, at any time of the day, a prayer can rise up out of our life because of our God consciousness. This God consciousness has two components. It is a persevering love of righteousness. And it is a deep desire to see God glorified. When you are a person who has a lifestyle of prayer, a pattern of prayer that just runs through your life, those are the two things you're concerned about, that persevering love of purity and righteousness and godliness and a deep desire to see God glorified. So on the basis of every, so the basis of every mature prayer should be, should be something like this. Lord, glorify yourself somehow through this. I may not understand it, some of you are going through things you don't understand this morning. You don't get it. You don't know why you're going through it. And you go, man, as soon as service is over, I'm going to come up to the altar. I'm going to ask some of those prayer counselors why I'm going through this. You know what they're probably going to say to you? I don't know. I don't know why you're going through that. I go through things all the time. I, can't I don't know why in the world I'm going through it. You know, you always evaluate yourself. You always look at yourself. But sometimes there's just no answer. And you say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't understand it. It may be against the grain of what makes sense to me. But Lord, I care most about you showing yourself powerful in this. And I care most about you bringing honor to yourself in this. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Let's move on to the next thing about prayer. Not only the constancy, but the diversity. The diversity of our prayers. Look what he said. He said, pray with all prayer. What in the world does that mean, all prayer? I mean, if I got up here today and said, all right, y'all, let's pray with all prayer, you'd go, all right, what does that mean? It means all kinds. Be ready to pray whatever prayer is necessary. Whatever kind of prayer you need to pray. Pray constantly and pray all kinds of prayers. Let me give you a list of different kinds of prayers. If you're called upon to pray publicly, be ready. Be ready. You know where you work, they may know you go to the bridge and none of them may go to church. And there may be a time you guys are going to have a meal together and somebody just kind of looks over there at you because they know you go to the bridge and go, Hey man, will you pray over the meal? Don't stumble. Don't stammer. And please don't do God is great, God is good. Please. I'm going to tell them you go to Bethel if you do that. <laughs> tell Pastor Steve I said that. Be ready to pray publicly. Be ready. Good vegetables, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. Amen. Don't pray that. <laughs> pray. That's not really a prayer, you know. Just be ready to pray publicly. You know, you know, people know you go to the bridge, you talk about your church. You know, there could be, a, there could be a, an emergency where somebody looks at you and, and says, man, somebody needs to pray. Somebody needs to pray. Are you ready? 
I heard about a guy that there was an accident right outside his house, and, and he ran out to see what was going on, and somebody was just kind of laying on the sidewalk. He didn't know what was wrong with him, and somebody said, man, somebody needs to pray. Somebody needs to pray here. And he said, well, I don't go to church, but I live right beside a church, and I can say what they say, what I hear them say. And they said, do it, do it. So he laid his hands on the person. He went, B-54. G-27, you know. Y'all got that, didn't you? People at Goldsboro just right over their head. Totally missed that. Be ready to pray publicly. Be ready to pray privately. Be verbal when you pray. Sometimes you're verbal when you pray. Sometimes I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to pray. Sometimes my heart is heavy and I just sit silently. Pray loud. Sometimes if you come to my door in the middle of the day or afternoon, you might think I've lost my mind because, buddy, when I'm by myself and I pray, I get loud in the house. Who's with me on that? I get loud. UPS man quickly leaves the door. Sometimes a soft prayer is more powerful. When you're praying with an unbeliever, you, you want to make sure that you pray in a way that they are listening to what you say. Different prayers for different occasions. How many of y'all know Chuck Swindoll? You've heard of Chuck Swindoll. There was a Sunday that I'd gone to California for a church conference, so on that Sunday, we went to his church, and I heard him preach. Man, he's, I, I gotta tell you guys, he's the greatest. He's the greatest. I, I don't know a better preacher in America than Chuck Swindoll. That's my opinion, and there's two things about my opinion you need to always remember, humble and accurate. <laughs> but he's awesome. Every book, read it. Every book he's ever written, read it, read it, read it. And if you read something in there that you've heard me say up here, he got it from me. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> so we left the service, and one of the guys that was with us left his Bible. And he was an old-school Pentecostal guy, you know. And we went back in that church to find his Bible. And uh, there was a guy in there picking up, um, picking up bulletins and cleaning things up. And we told him who we were. We said we're a group of preachers. And he left his Bible. Excuse me. He left his Bible. We want to get his Bible. And that guy said, hey, man. He said, I just became a Christian like two or three days ago, and I wanted to serve. And he said, I'm in here picking up the old bulletins that were left over. He said, I'm going through some really tough stuff. He said, will you guys pray for me? And we said, yeah. And we made a circle, and that guy said, I'll lead. Holy cow. He started praying, dear God, we come before you today. And buddy, I mean, he just full-blown old school Pentecostal prayer. So that guy is right across from me, the guy that just got saved. He's right across from me. So I'm holding hands, and I just decide I'm going to peep. <laughs> How many of y'all peep occasionally? <clears throat> so I just peeped up, and that guy, here's that guy looking at the guy who was praying. When we got through, I said, dude, you have just been prayed for by a boy from North Carolina. <laughs> How many of y'all know that wasn't the right prayer for right then? It wasn't the right prayer. Come on. 
You don't have to prove your spirituality every time you pray publicly. You don't have to prove how spiritual you are. Matter of fact, if you feel like you've got to prove how spiritual you are, it really proves how spiritual you're not. Planned prayers, unplanned prayers, spontaneous prayers. Be ready to pray spontaneously. Deliberate prayers. Requests. Prayer requests. Thanks. Confession. When you've sinned, be ready to confess it. Prayers of praise. Prayers when you're standing. Prayers when you're kneeling. Prayers when you're sitting. Prayers when you're lying down. Who's prayed in all those positions? I've prayed in all those positions. Lifting up your hands in prayer, hands down when you pray. You name it, be ready. Be prepared to pray whatever kind of prayer is necessary. It is a part of our defense as a warrior that we're ready to pray in any situation. It is a part of our armor. It is our protection in battle. Praying all kinds of prayers opens up our life to the flow of God's power. Sometimes we pray prayers of celebration and great joy and thanksgiving. Sometimes our, our prayers are filled with happiness and sometimes our prayers are filled with tears. Be ready to pray. The third kind of prayer, not just constancy and diversity, but intensity. The intensity of our prayers. Look what it says in verse 18. Be on the what? Alert and with all what? Perseverance. Persevere. Be alert. In other words, look around you so you know what to pray about. What do we say here at the bridge all the time? Head on swivel. Your head is on swivel. You're always looking around. Who can I bless? Who can I pray for? You say, really, where's that in the Bible? Jesus was on a journey one day. He was at the top of a mountain. He looked down on the whole city of Jerusalem. He began to cry. He began to weep as he thought about them rejecting him as Savior. And he knew what the end was going to be for them. He knew the judgment that was coming to them because they wouldn't receive him as Savior. He didn't get mad. He didn't go down into the city and start lambasting them. He wept and prayed for them. He said they are like sheep without a what? Shepherd. And he wept for them. When you, let me ask you something. When's the last time you were at the mall or you were just sitting in your car like I do, waiting for my wife to get through shopping, and you're sitting there and you're just looking out the windshield, you're looking to the left and right, and you just see people and you wonder, wonder what's going on in his life. I wonder what's going on in her life. When was the last time you just prayed for somebody that you saw and said, God, I don't even know who that guy is. I don't even know who that gal is. But Lord, I know you wanted me to see them today, and I don't know why, but I just feel like I need to pray blessing on them and pray for them. You don't even know what to pray. You just say, Lord, you know. Your head is on swivel. You're not just looking inside at your own life, but you're alert. Look what he said, be alert. Be aware of what's going on around you. Hey, let's get more personal. Be aware of what's going on in your house. Be aware of what's going on in your marriage. You know, I don't do much marriage counseling anymore, but I used to do it all. And then Scott and Sherry came, hallelujah, and they're lifting up that burden and helping me with that and doing most of that now. But I remember sitting in counseling sessions when people looked at me and said, I didn't know. I didn't know. I've looked at men who came home and their wives were gone. I remember one old country boy, um, he came home one day and I talked to him and I said, man, she's not going to put up with you treating her like that. I'm telling you, man, she's not going to put up with it. 
And the phone rang one day, and I picked the phone up and said, hello, and this is all I heard on the other end. She took the ceiling fans. I said, who is this? He said it again. She took the ceiling fans. I said, man, I told you. I told you. You got to know what's going on in your marriage. You got to be aware of what's going on in your marriage. You got to have some deep conversations you got to know when she's something's wrong. She's got to know when something's wrong with you. You got to know. You got to know and you got to talk about it and you got to pray about it and you got to pray for your marriage. Y'all with me? And let me tell you something, man. Know where your children are and know what they're doing and know what's going on in their life. That's one area of my life I greatly regret is that I didn't know more about what's going on in my boys' lives. I wanted to be their buddy. I wanted to be their friend. Can I just give you some advice? When they're growing up and they're teenagers, tick them off. Make them mad. You can be their buddy later. You can be their friend later. When they grow up and realize how right you were, they'll come back and be your friend then. You say, well, I don't want them to, listen to me. You stand your ground. You love them. You put your arms around them. You touch them. You hold them. But you stand your ground and you say, we don't put up with that in this house. And know where they go. And sometimes when they tell you there at Susie's having pizza and looking at a movie, they're not. (laughs) Right over to Susie's. Right over to Earl's house. Earl, I don't know. Who names their kid Earl these days? I like that name in case somebody here is named Earl. It's just not a name that we see that much now. I'm just saying. Uh, Whatever. Hey, my name's Farrell. I mean, come on. Gee whiz. My mom gave me two last names. I call to make a hotel reservation. I go, my name is Farrell Hardison. Farrell's my first name. All right. Now, what's your first name? I just said my first name. <laughs> When's the last time? Let me, ask you, let me ask you, Daddy, something. When's the last time you got on your knees and prayed for your children? When's the last time you went in your bedroom, shut the door, and said, don't anybody bother me? You got on your knees and prayed for your children. When's the last time you got on your knees and prayed for your, your wife, your marriage, your husband, your marriage? We've got to look around, man. Got to be alert. And then we've got to persevere in our prayers. You're at war when you're praying. Pray for your community. Have you, have you peeped out the front door lately? Have you looked around the neighborhood? Do you love your neighbors? Have you prayed for your community? Have you prayed for your church? You know, people are quick to criticize. They can do some stuff out there at the bridge I don't like. Hey, pray for us. God might speak to us to change it. Pray for us. Pray for your nation. Anybody watching the news? Pray for your nation. Pray for your world. 1 Peter 4 and 7, he said, not just pray, but what? Watch and pray. Watch him, not just pray, watch, alert, looking. 
looking around, knowing what's going on, so you'll know what to pray about. Jesus said it. Jesus said it in Mark 14, 38. He said, watch, be alert, look around you, and pray and persevere. Focus intently. That's what that means, persevere, on what you're praying about because the enemy's going to war against you when you try to pray. and You don't want to give up, so be alert. Let me give you a good illustration. Paul in uh, Colossians was talking about a guy. He said, you Colossians, put that scripture up there, please. Colossians scripture, thank you. So Paul was talking about them. He's talking about this guy named Epaphras. And I know some of you like to name your children people in the Bible. I wouldn't go with that one. That's just me. I'm sure it means something really nice, but it's kind of weird, unless you're going to call him Epi. I'm sorry. It's just how I think. Plus, I took a lot of cold medicine, so I wouldn't cough so much. <laughs> Epaphras, look, look, what he, look what Paul is saying to the Colossians. The Colossians, that's a church. It's a church in a town called Colossae. He says, I want you Colossians to know that Epaphras, who is one of your number, one of you, one of you guys, he said, a bond slave, and let me just say this to you. If you ever want to do a word study of a word in the Bible, do a word study on that right there. Do a word study on the word bond slave. Here's what that means real quick. It means that you've been set free, but your master was so good to you, you asked him if you could stay. Isn't that awesome? And he says he's a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He said, Epaphras who's one of yours, number, who is a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. He said, and I wanted to make sure you guys know this about Epaphras, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. How often? And how does he pray? He labors earnestly. And here's what he's praying. He said, I want you guys to know what he's praying. He's praying that you may stand Perfect. Does that mean perfect in the sense of you got to be perfect? No. What does it mean? You remember last week? Mature. That you may stand mature and fully armored, fully assured in all the will of God. Isn't that a beautiful verse right there? That is a great verse right there. And then in James 5, 16, we all know this verse. The earnest, that means heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person has or results in what? When you pray earnestly and you pray from a righteous heart, it results in what? Great power and produces what? Boom! That's God talking right there. Number four, the last one, number four. The object of our prayers, petition for all the saints. Now, I want you to listen carefully here because no matter what we're praying for, Paul is telling them Paul is telling them to pray for the saints, pray for the other Christians. The Christians are under a lot of persecution. They're going through a lot of uh, persecution and resistance. He says, pray for all the saints. But let me just say this. The, when you're praying for anything other than the glory of God, the indirect part of your prayer might be all the saints, the indirect part of your prayer might be healing. You might be praying for healing for somebody. Even high-level prayer where you're praying for the salvation of somebody to come to Christ. Whatever you're praying for. He says, I want you to pray for the saints. But whatever we're praying for, that thing we're praying for is the indirect object of our prayers. You know what the direct object of every mature prayer is? The glory of God. 
So when I'm in the hospital or Pastor Andy's in the hospital or Pastor Jeremy or one of our other pastors is in the hospital and they're standing over a hospital bed with somebody and they've got them by the hand and they're praying for them, they're praying, God, be with them, touch them, be with this family, bring healing and bring strength. And you know what the ultimate goal of all that is? God, so what? So you will be glorified. Do you understand me? If you want your prayers to be powerful, if you want your prayers to produce great fruit, then if you will make your number one goal the glory of God, and this takes maturity, this requires maturity, because listen now, most of the time, whatever it is we're praying for, that's what we want most. We want that healing. We want that financial blessing. We want that job we want. We want our children to behave. All that's good. God wants you to pray about all those things. But listen to me. Listen, listen. It's always for his honor, for his glory. You're always praying for that thing, not so you can just get what you want, but you're praying for that thing so God will be glorified. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 13, and this isn't going to come up on the screen, so write this in your notes if you're taking notes. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I will do it not to give you what you want. How many of you have prayed for something and got it? That's awesome. But what you want above all things is for God to be glorified. Let me give you an for instance. What if you're praying for somebody God's testing? What if you're praying for somebody that God has decided, I'm going to let them go through a little testing, a little trial, and you begin to pray, God, deliver them. God, deliver them. I don't want them to go through this. I don't want them to feel this pain. I don't want them to feel this grief. God, deliver them. And God's up there in heaven go, I hear you. I know you love them, but I'm testing them. So we pray, and then when that answer doesn't come, then it ought to immediately register with us, and then, God, whatever you're trying to accomplish through this difficult time, I want that to be done first. Now, i got to tell you, that's hard to pray because we want our freedom, man. We want our deliverance. We want our life with no problems. We want our life with no suffering. I'm telling you, it's hard for me to pray. I'm not picking on you today. It's hard to pray. But sometimes you got to wake up when you're praying about something and you're fasting and you're praying and you're doing everything you know to do. You know, there's a delay sometimes in God's prayers, but delays aren't necessarily denials. But God's doing something, and so you just put that in his hands, and this is what you say. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to keep praying for them. And then, God, you do whatever brings you glory, whatever brings you honor. Y'all with me out there? We're talking mature here, buddy. Only the mature can pray like this. God, I want you to be glorified. I wrote down some prayers, actually. And I just want to read them to you. God, as I pray for the needs of others as well as myself, above all things, I pray that you will glorify yourself by putting your power on display in this situation. I pray, God, you will glorify yourself by putting your grace on display, your mercy on display. I pray, God, that in this situation, before they are set free, before I'm set free, before I receive what I'm wanting, that your wisdom would be on display, that your truth would be on display. 
And God, I pray that when the answer does come and the deliverance does come, that people will see that it was you and know that it was you and your name will be glorified. Lord, whatever you need to do in my life. Now, boy, we're going to go to another level here. Y'all with me? Who can handle this? Y'all with me? All right, listen now. Listen. Who's ready to pray this prayer? Lord, whatever you need to do in my life to glorify yourself, do it. Help me, God, to desire your glory above everything else. Even in the painful times, let me care more about your glory than I care about my relief from pain. Even in the confusing times, more than my understanding of the situation, let me desire your glory in that situation. So Paul is challenging us to think outside of ourselves. To think not only of our own conflicts and our own suffering, but to think of the needs of others and to think of the glory of God. You know, I thought about that picture of Jesus looking down on Jerusalem and weeping and praying and saying they're like sheep without a shepherd. And I thought about, and this is just me, he knew the cross was coming. He knew the humiliation of the cross. He knew the pain of the cross. He knew the agony. He knew all that was coming in that cross. But Jesus wasn't worried about the cross. His heart was for those who didn't know him. That's what I'm talking about. You know what? He's our example in everything, isn't he? He's our example in everything. He wept for others when he knew he would be on a cross, that he would be killed, that injustice was coming, torture was coming, pain and agony was coming, abandonment of the Father was coming, but Jesus wept for the lost. God, give us that heart. Give us that heart in these last days. I want to close with these two final things. Paul said, pray in the Spirit at all times. What does that mean? It means to pray in harmony with the Holy Spirit. To pray consistently with the mind and will of the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying we need the Spirit's help when we pray because sometimes we don't know what to pray. You ever been like that? We don't know how to pray about a situation. And there are things we can't anticipate. And sometimes you're in that emergency situation. And you don't even know what to pray. You don't even know how to pray. But if you're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit will give you that prayer, will pray through you. There are situations of life that are too complicated for us. And the Holy Spirit knows how to direct our prayers. The Holy Spirit knows how to take over our thoughts and pray through us. And when the Holy Spirit directs our prayers, we'll find ourselves praying for things like more holiness in our own life and the life of others. We'll find ourselves pray, praying about more virtue, more strength, more spiritual maturity, less about material things and more about eternal things. And then the final thing Paul says, and I love this. He said, and hey guys, pray for me. Oh, that touched my heart the other day in my study. Paul said, hey, man, one more thing, guys, one more thing. Pray for me. Pray for me that, that I, I will preach truth. 
Pray for me that I won't water it down. Pray for me that I won't preach in a way to get the applause of people. Because he asked two times, he said, pray that I'll be bold. He said, pray for me that I will declare truth and pray for me that I will declare it boldly. And it touched my heart so deeply as a preacher that I want to say to you that when you pray for me, when you pray for your pastor and your staff, thank you for praying for my healing. Thank you for praying for blessings on me. And my, thank you for all that. But I'll tell you, pray for me to have boldness. And pray for me to always preach the truth. Let's all stand together.